coach, teacher, podcaster, online business owner, and above all, I am constantly dreaming up ways to reimagine education. I provide teachers with tips, tricks, and strategies to transform their classrooms into learning hubs that are filled with creativity, innovation, and discovery. I hope to empower all teachers, no matter what subject they teach, to experiment with innovative learning models and lead their classrooms with 21st century skills. So let's learn and grow together as 21st century educators. This is the EdTech Classroom Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the EdTech Classroom Podcast. In today's show, we're talking about some common project-based learning challenges and how to avoid those problems. Research shows that project-based learning has a profound impact in deepening educational experiences for students. I have seen firsthand the power of PBL in the classroom. Now that being said, when a PBL unit doesn't achieve its desired outcomes, it can feel overwhelming and challenging to teachers. I know that I've been there, especially in my early days of implementing PBL in my own classroom. So in today's episode, I thought I would share a few common challenges that teachers may face when implementing project-based learning in their classrooms. I'll also share some tips and solutions to overcome these problems. So I'm going to be sharing three different challenges. I think that these are the ones that I at least have noticed or myself, um, you know, faced when trying PBL with students. So I thought that I would share, you know, these three challenges specifically, again, along with some tips and solutions to overcome these problems. So let's just go ahead and dive right into challenge number one, identifying what PBL is versus what PBL isn't. So before even implementing PBL as an approach to teaching and learning in your classroom, I think that it is really useful to understand the difference between doing projects and project-based learning. PBL Works describes the difference between PBL and doing projects by using a metaphor to describe the relationship between the two. Dessert versus the main course. So first let's talk about what PBL isn't. A dessert project typically consists of students creating a final product at the end of a unit after the content has been delivered through traditional lessons. So a dessert project, or what I'm calling doing a project, is essentially an add-on to the traditional instruction. So what this might look like in practice is students make a diorama after reading a novel, or maybe they make a presentation after researching a famous figure in history. So these activities are really fun. They certainly have educational value, but they don't technically qualify as PBL. So these are two examples of doing a project where students are learning 
content skills and standards. And then afterwards, they're creating some sort of dessert project or project to, you know, cap off the lesson, almost as kind of a, an add-on at the end of their the unit or the learning that occurred. Now, PBL is very different in the sense that the project is the main course. So project-based learning, just to kind of define it quickly, is an approach to teaching and learning where students actively explore real-world problems and challenges through projects. The project itself is used to teach content, skills, and standards. So with the dessert projects or doing a project, that is essentially something that happens after content, skills, and standards are learned. With PBL, the project itself is what's being used to teach content skills and standards. So in project-based learning, teachers are often viewed as coaches or facilitators that provide a structure or framework to guide students through the learning process. But the learning, the actual learning that's happening is largely coming from students. So in this sense, the learning is very student-centered and prioritizes student voice and choice. So the challenge here is understanding and identifying the difference between what PBL is and what PBL isn't. In my experience, as we find ourselves, you know, being new to project-based learning for teachers who are new to this approach, it can be kind of difficult to understand or identify the difference between doing a project and what project-based learning actually is. So the solution here is really just familiarizing yourself. And as you start to plan a project-based learning unit, actually rely on a framework to help guide you. So I personally am a really big fan of the PBL Works model. Um, they call it the gold standard PBL, where there are seven different project design elements that are sort of like essential ingredients to project-based learning, if we're still going with this food metaphor here. Um, so with the PBL Works model or framework, there are seven different project design elements to incorporate when you create a project-based learning unit. So number one, a challenging problem or question that students are either trying to solve or trying to answer. Number two, sustained inquiry. So there's some sort of period of sustained inquiry or research where students are looking to find answers to that problem or question. Number three, authenticity. I recently released a podcast episode a few weeks ago all about what authentic learning actually is. Um, so be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Authenticity, essentially, to summarize, a project should be authentic to the world. You know, there's some sort of real world problem or application or maybe the audience is, you know, real world outside of the classroom. And then projects can also be authentic to students themselves, you know, maybe based off of something that a student is really interested in or passionate about. Number four, student voice and choice. Number five, reflection. Six, critique and revision. And seven, a public product. So the public product is kind of like that dessert element where there's actually something that you're creating at the end, but there's all this other process that's happening 
that's sort of the meat of project-based learning. And the public product is a way for students to showcase that learning. So if you're looking for more information to get started with PBL, like let's say you aren't super familiar with this concept, I will have some resources linked for you in the show notes and on the episode webpage, including a um, blog post that I have that really outlines uh, and kind of walks you through every step of planning a PBL unit. So if you're looking to learn more about these seven different project design elements, be sure to check out the episode webpage and the show notes. All right, so now let's talk about challenge number two, balancing process versus product. Project-based learning emphasizes process over product. However, it can sometimes feel tricky to balance process and product, particularly when teachers are often asked to present evidence of student learning. So something I think about a lot with PBL is so oftentimes people are always talking about, you know, process over product. And yes, we know and value the learning process. It's super important. It's the most important thing that's happening in PBL, in my opinion. And the reality is that as teachers, we have to have something that we can assess, right? We need to show evidence of student learning in some way. Our students need to produce a project that can be assessed. So project-based learning is largely an inquiry-driven process, meaning that students will often be attempting to solve real-world problems by asking critical and thoughtful questions. If we think of the product as the destination, inquiry is the engine that powers the bus to get us there. That's a quote from Frank McKay in an Edutopia article. If we think of the product as the destination, inquiry is the engine that powers the bus to get us there. Now, at the same time, you know, we don't want our students to create low quality projects that don't accurately reflect their learning and comprehension. So how do we strike a balance between process versus product? So as a solution to this challenge, right, this challenge of balancing process and product, as you plan a PBL unit, I recommend considering two key areas. First, the learning goals and standards that the project is addressing. And second, the end goal that you have in mind. So as you plan a PBL unit, start planning by determining which learning goals and standards the unit will address. Then once you've done that, consider what a final project might look like that successfully meets those goals and standards. So determine the learning goals and then fast forward in your mind to the end and start to plan backwards. Ask yourself, what does a final product look like that successfully meets the learning goals and standards that I'm hoping this unit will address? Then lastly, consider assessing students throughout the project process rather than just on the final product. So in my experience, something I've noticed is that oftentimes teachers will grade just the final product. The final product is super important, but it's really not the most important part. 
So to strike that balance, consider assessing students throughout the entire project process, not just on the final product. This will be particularly important if students, you know, are really having these amazing insights during the sustained inquiry period, for example. You know, they're amplifying their voice, there's choice involved, there's reflection, all this really great stuff is happening. And then if the final product doesn't accurately reflect that, it's useful to really assess students throughout the entire project process. So a question I like to ask myself to help strike this balance is how will you as the teacher know that students have acquired the target skills, content, and standards at the end of a project. Again, how will you, as the teacher, know that students have acquired the target skills, content, and standards at the end of the project? Now, for my last challenge that I want to address today, challenge number three, implementing classroom management strategies. So this is probably the biggest one that I hear the most often from teachers and probably the one that I have experienced myself um, that I've found to be the most tricky. So I have some tips um, that I think might be useful. So project-based learning classrooms can feel very different from traditional classroom environments for teachers, for students, and for observers. So because of this, Students may not be familiar with this new environment, which can lead to a variety of classroom management needs. You know, if you've tried PBL with your students before, this is something you might have noticed or experienced in the past before. You know, sometimes students might feel overwhelmed by too much choice, too much ambiguity. Other students may struggle to collaborate with their peers and a variety of other needs may arise as well. And while every classroom is different, every student's needs are different, there are some approaches that you can consider taking to help manage these needs as they arise. So my solution to this challenge first comes with the big disclaimer that project-based learning isn't a one-size-fits-all model and neither is classroom management. But something I've noticed is that we don't often talk about classroom management when we talk about PBL. You know, we talk about this framework that I was mentioning, you know, these seven key ingredients, but we don't typically talk about classroom management or any strategies. We talk about how to plan a unit, plan a lesson, but we don't often talk about how to resolve conflict or how to manage the actual classroom. Now, that being said, I have a few tips to keep in mind that may help with classroom management. These are tips that have worked for me as a teacher. Take what's useful to you and forget about the rest. You know your classroom and your students better than I do. All right, caveat or disclaimer over. <laughs> so my tip number one is begin each PBL unit by setting clear expectations and goals for students. Much like how you set expectations and standards for other lessons, do the same thing with PBL. Begin the unit by setting really clear expectations and goals for students. And you can refer back to those expectations regularly throughout the course of the entire unit. So you don't just need to even, you know, include it at the beginning, but really continue to refer back to it as the project progresses. Tip number two, avoid giving students 
too much choice in the beginning. So I love Genius Hour. I'm going to use this as an example. Genius Hour is kind of like PBL on steroids. Genius Hour is very student-centered. It has so much student choice and also can have so many amazing benefits. But if you're brand new to project-based learning, I probably don't recommend starting out with something like Genius Hour. I typically recommend starting small when you're new to PBL. So start small. Don't feel like you have to give students so much choice just because a pillar is student voice and choice. There are ways that you can provide students with choice in a way that feels really um, comfortable to you as the teacher and comfortable to students too. They can get overwhelmed by too much choice, at least in my experience. So for example, you can start off by giving students a few choices to select from. So let's say for the public product, maybe you'll have students choose from a couple of different final product mediums. So let's say, you know, you give students the choice to make a stop motion film, make a website, make a uh, write a short story and film a movie. I included a lot of tech options there. That's where my mind goes these days. Um, but maybe you'll give students a few final product mediums to choose from. So maybe that's the choice that you're including, right? There's four choices that students can choose from. So there's not endless choices, but there's enough to where students are able to find one that best suits their needs. Or maybe you'll give students a few project topics to choose from. You know, maybe you'll have three to five driving questions that students can choose from for their project topic. Then you can always explore adding more choice as you feel more comfortable teaching using this approach. So again, avoid giving students too much choice as you're getting started with PBL. And then my tip number three, my last tip here for classroom management is to think strategically about project groups and conflict resolution. Have students reflect on what group work should look like, feel like, and sound like. Something that I've noticed, at least in my experience as an educator, is that students often aren't explicitly taught how to collaborate. We talk a lot about group work and collaboration, but at least in my experience, there aren't often intentional lessons about group work. So give an intentional lesson about group work. Explicitly teach students how to collaborate. So you might focus on questions like, what roles will group members have? How will group members divide work? What does it mean for work to be fair? Consider having small groups engage in this type of conversation with each other so that they then can form their own expectations and guidelines. This is a strategy that's worked really well for me. So not only you as the teacher setting expectations and guidelines, but then have students actually engage in a conversation as a group, a really intentional conversation where they themselves are forming their own expectations, their own guidelines. So those are my three different challenges that I've noticed with project-based learning and some tips on how to avoid them. Challenge number one was identifying what PBL is versus what PBL isn't. Challenge number two, balancing process versus product. And challenge number three, 
implementing classroom management strategies. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode all about common PBL challenges and, of course, how to avoid them. What other challenges have you guys encountered in the past before? You can let me know by leaving a comment on the episode webpage. You can DM me on Instagram at edtechclass. You can send me an email, myedtechclassroom at gmail.com. And if you are on TikTok, I am now on TikTok at edtechclass. So be sure to throw me a follow, connect with me. I'll follow you back. Would love to collaborate with you guys on that platform now as well. So again, let me know what you guys think. Let me know what challenges you've encountered and I'll plan to see you back here soon. Bye friends. Thank you.